Hello, I'm Kevin. And I'm Mike. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we're taking a long, hard look at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of the 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. Welcome back. Mike and I are back in the saddle here to take on another movie. This time around, we're going to talk about 1986's Big Trouble in Little China, directed by John Carpenter, starring Kurt Russell, two couple of frequent collaborators. It's uh, like, what what would you call it? A supernatural kung fu? Yeah, it's a supernatural, mystic, kung fu, western wannabe. Comedy. <laughs> Comedy, <laughs> buddy, cop. <laughs> flick <laughs> it's got a little something for everybody yeah. i think um so this is our first episode we're going to be talking about the opening scene of the movie where uh, egg shen is in the lawyer's office talking about what happened all the way up through jack and wang riding the pork chop express to the airport in a, in a hurry in a hurry yeah <laughs> <laughs> so as i just said uh scene opens they're in the lawyer's office uh we don't know who anybody is at this point but there's a an old white dude. I, I recognize him from the X Files. Uh, Jerry Harden. I yeah, he was his deep name. throat from the X Files, and he's um talking to Egg Shen, uh, a elderly Chinese man, basically sort of telling us everything that happened. Yeah. In the movie, like, how do yeah. you feel about that? So they filmed that scene last. So we, right. We learned that. Yeah, yeah. Recently, this, this, so the studio guy, the head of Fox or whatever, demanded that. They add another scene after they'd finished shooting everything already. Basically, I think that they were concerned that Jack Burton, the lead, the Kurt Russell character, like he wasn't a heroic enough character. So they basically (laughs) added a scene just with someone talking about how heroic he is. Yeah. So yeah, at the very end of the movie, I guess they the studio heads got together like, yeah, we don't think that uh, we're selling this movie correctly. Uh, Let's go back and film this one scene to make Jack Burton seem like he's a more, more of a hero than he already is. Like to me, the whole kind of gag of the movie is that he's not that heroic or I mean, he's heroic, he's brave and all, but he's just, He's kind of also a goof. Yeah, he's not an anti-hero, but no, he is yeah. he's a um he's a do-gooder, but he's like incompetent. So there's this movie <laughs> called Shakiest Gun in the West with Don, starring Don Knotts, and he's kind of like this um he's like he's the hero of the movie, but he doesn't mean to be. Like and that's right. totally what Jack Burton is. Like Jack is the hero of the film. Like accidentally saving but the day. But totally is not meant to be. It's not like his intention. Like he's he's heroic in his actions. Like he's got the charisma, uh-huh. the charm, the the courage to be a hero. But his, it's not his intention to be a hero. And he, but he sort of also he doesn't have like the the wherewithal to back it up. You yeah, know, like yeah. he's brave and he talks a big game, but he's also sort of not up to the challenge. Like a little, a little clueless. Well, and they they say on the commentary like that the premise was that this guy doesn't realize that he's not the hero. Like he thinks he's the hero, but he's actually the sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love that. But I mean, really, uh, egg Shin is kind of, he's just telling us like most of the plot points of the movie. Like, you know, how do you feel weird when a movie sort of tells you the ending before the movie starts? No, I feel like this whole scene, uh, is kind of like an appetizer to a dinner. 
So they he talks action or action and the lawyer talk about how uh, the lawyer especially he talks about how there was this giant green explosion yeah. that basically leveled like a whole city block in Chinatown. Uh-huh. And so to the viewer, you're like, whoa, I really want like this is like five seconds into the movie. And we're always talking about this giant green explosion. So it's like, oh, well, I know that at some point we're going to see this. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, it's drawing the viewer into like this. Okay. This fantasy. You think this that's like the giant hook. story. That's like the hook. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's the bait. Okay. <laughs> They're hooking you in. Um, I think. It's also interesting that Egg, they ask him what he does, and he says he drives a tour bus, which doesn't seem like, how does a tour bus driver get mixed up in all the excitement? Yeah, yeah well, yeah. I know that they're in Chinatown, so I don't know if, like, tour buses are, like, I don't, if we were, like, go to Chinatown right now, are you going to see, like, just a ton of tour buses, or was it, like, uh, a, a thing back in 86? I, would, I went to uh, San Francisco a couple years ago, and, man, it's awesome city. Really? But um, we went to Chinatown, but we went kind of early in the morning, so it might not have been the time that you know, you'd see the most tourists milling around there, but awesome place to go. Highly recommend Chinatown, San yeah. Francisco. I have no awesome. idea why they made action a tour bus driver, but it, uh, yeah, it no, kind of works kinda, though. Yeah, I love there the, has to the be tour like a, bus with all the Chinese characters and stuff on it. Like, it's really great. There's got to be like a deeper existential meaning to that, where Maybe it's like so. he's, he's he's a tour bus driver, guide. but he's like more of a spiritual guide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there was one of those deep meanings that they wrote into the screenplay that none of us really, really got. Yeah. But at any rate, Egg, like, he gets really fired up defending Jack Burton. He's like, you leave Jack Burton alone, or whatever it is, you know, and he's, like, explaining that they're all in Jack's debt, uh, you know, which all of that is, like, once we see how the movie plays out, that's kind of, like, maybe halfway accurate. Like, I don't, I mean, he didn't single-handedly save anything. Oh, no, um, I know. But... Then the lawyer asks Egg if he really believes in all this magic talk and monsters and sorcery or whatever. And like Egg sort of shows him some magic, like he raises his two hands up and yeah. this like flash yeah. of lightning, like kind of yeah. like the Emperor from uh, you know, Star Wars, yeah. like kind of <laughs> bouncing back and forth between his hands. Yeah. It's kind of awesome though. I know. I thought it was kind of cool that the, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but the lawyer actually puts his hands out in the same way. Uh-huh. It's like, hey, do you really believe in this? And then the action's like, and he raises his hand slowly, and he has this lightning that shoots between his his hands. Uh, he's like, "Yeah, I guess I do." <laughs> <laughs> I think the lawyer had to be convinced. Yeah. After that, well, that I, was, it was weird because the lawyer and there was a stenographer right behind Eggshin. Neither one of them like jumped out of their seat. Like, I wonder <laughs> if that would have been more impactful to that scene if they had if he had done that and they both like were like, "What?" Maybe it's one of those things where like it's so mind blowing that you're sort of stunned after i don't know but Possibly. um like there's a great movie uh called the prestige a christopher nolan magic movie mm-hmm. and they're talking about this the best magic trick ever and they're like it happened so fast that no one in the audience reacted the first time because mm-hmm. they didn't realize what they had just seen i don't know if something like that could yeah, be a play i can see that um but I do think like the bit with the lightning and the, all the talk about the green flames, which they mentioned green flames like two to three times in that conversation. All of it, I think, is sort of letting you, the audience, know that like you're going to be in for a wild ride yeah. on this movie. You know, like you can just check all those like real world expectations at the door, you know? Yeah. I love that when they give you that taste of like supernatural, because when you walk in, you're like, and they give it to you so early in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like. 
they hint towards it. They actually show the guy shooting lightning between his hands, and you're like, "Well, you're right. Like we're on, we're in for some kind of a crazy ride here." Like I sort of feel like the first. So the the last movie we did was Predator, the first movie of the podcast, and I felt like on Predator they went out of their way to like establish that it was like a real world setting, like make the fighting and the like stuff as realistic as possible, all the lingo and the talk and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And everything seems like, you know, you establish that real world and then you drop an alien into the mix. But yeah. like on this movie, I feel like they just sort of tell the audience like, hang on, this is going to be a fun time yeah. that you're about to have. Like, honestly, it reminded me a little bit of... um the second Austin Powers movie where they go back in time or whatever. Oh. And like, they just look directly in the camera and they're like, you know how now don't think too hard about the, all this time travel stuff. Yeah. Just sit back and enjoy yourself. Well, you, you know, the uh, funny part is that considering this movie was uh, directed by John Carpenter, mm-hmm. uh, starred Kurt Russell and had like a lot of like karate, uh, uh, martial arts in it. Like a, like a lot of violent scenes in it. This is almost like a family film. Like I yeah, could, I, I think could, it was PG rated. I think it was it might have been PG thirteen, okay. but it still was like I could see me taking my kids to this movie, it's like a, kind of like an old school, like the old kind of popcorn flick. Yeah, you know, you're just on a Saturday afternoon, like let's go out and have a good time. This Absolutely. is that movie. It's not like it's not too dark. Like even though it's got some dark subject matter, they always kind of have tongue in cheek about it. Yeah, you know, um, a lot of humor in this film. Yeah, and like. Honestly, uh, I mean, I love this movie, but like, if we're being honest, the movie is is kind of a crazy, batshit crazy movie. You know? yeah, it is. Like, it's just, it's crazy, and it's it's unashamed of how crazy it is, which makes it lovable. It's not like Wicker Man crazy. <laughs> which, which Wicker Man? Nick Cage? Uh, yeah, Nick, Nick Cage. Like, like Please. I have no idea what's going on in this. Like, who or uh, what's the guy who does all the body morphing stuff? Uh, Cronenberg. It's not like a crazy oh. Cronenberg. Like, yeah. Or no, no, not Cronenberg. Who did Mulholland Drive? David, oh, David Lynch. Lynch. It's not like a crazy David Lynch film or anything like that. It's, But it's definitely... It's a story you can follow, but yeah. it also is just like... There's like plot holes galore. Like mm-hmm. a lot of stuff is there just for laughs. And, oh, you know yeah. What I mean, like... They're just like blowing people away and kind of laughing about it after. Like, it's, it's no it's big a, deal. It is a fun two hours on a Saturday afternoon. You yeah. got nothing else to do, and a you want to and a beer, and you want to watch a good <laughs> film. That's this is exactly what this. This is like an American film, like <laughs> even though yeah. it's like based all in like Chinese mythology and lore. And honestly, it's like a east. It's like an Eastern Western, you know. It's like a or a, a Western Eastern. I don't know. It's like a Western <laughs> sort of Western themes. Yeah. But with a Far East sort of spin to it. Yeah. I mean, really, that gets us through like what we could call maybe the cold open mm-hmm. of the movie. Because then it sort of starts rolling the opening credits and the theme music comes up. And we get our like actual entrance of the hero. So after the uh, action and the lawyer part, we get to the, the the real introduction of the film. And this is where Jack Burton is driving the Port Chop Express on the down the road and he's headed towards Chinatown. Uh-huh. Now the, the interesting part about this whole scene is that when this movie was originally written, it was written as a, a Western, like like the 1880s yeah, Western. Like old West Western. Yeah, and the, and the Jack Burton was supposed to be riding a horse into town instead of like driving a truck, but um, 
the directors or I guess the studio weren't really feeling like an old western type movie. Mm-hmm. It had like it still had all the Chinese mysticism and lore attached to it, but they yeah. weren't feeling like the old western part. So they brought in this guy. His name is W. D. Richter, who directed uh, Adventures of uh, Buckaroo Banzai. And he did like this complete rewrite of the script. When Jack was doing all the talking on the CB, I think he was doing a lot of foreshadowing of the movie. Because there's ah, one thing that really yeah. sticks out in my in my mind that he says, and he's talking about, and I forget exactly how he says it, but he's like, when you're facing down this eight foot dude and he's got you down and something, something. It's like, a, he might even say like a wild eyed monster. Yeah, he says something like, like that. that. Like, you know, just look him in the face and, you know, grab him, grab life by the balls. Or I don't know, whatever he says. But I think there's probably a lot of yeah sayings in that, that CB rant that he had that kind of foreshadow the actions of the of the film. You know, that is kind of like a cowboy, like a solitary Absolutely. existence. You know, you're out on the on your own on the open road or whatever mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And man, I mean, he's like spitting some game yeah. on TV radio. <laughs> like yeah. he's got the one liners. He's telling jokes just to whoever's listening. Right. It's yeah. like, I, I don't know. I don't have that many Mike isms, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> but like this dude was just, you're right. He was just he had spewing. Story. He had jokes. He was just spewing one liners. And um, I love that. Have you paid your dues? Yeah. You look him right now and you tell him the check is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> that's like such a great that sounds like, and the funny part is that Jack Burton's relatively young in this scene. That sounds uh-huh. like something that like an old wizened, man would say like you know somebody in their 80s is sitting out on their front porch and talking to the kids with, uh-huh. while drinking sweet tea <laughs> is telling the little kids like hey you know when you talk when you're doing this to make sure you do that type stuff that had to uh, all that stuff had to be new for the rewrite of the movie obviously like he's not riding on a horse and yeah. saying all that so i mean this dude wd richter is a pretty funny guy yeah first and if, of all yeah and if you've ever seen buckaroo Banzai, you can really see the uh correlation between that movie and this movie so i'm thinking like i've seen some quotes from the original screenwriters where they're just kind of like oh we had no clue like they grabbed the screenplay they liked it we had no clue that they were rewriting it like they didn't involve us in that process at all and um, and one of those screenwriters at least described he s- described the whole process as bizarre and unfair. Like, so mm-hmm. I guess there was a little bitterness. Well, from those I, guys feeling. I mean, I get that you were kind of it's your baby and you sort of got cut out of the loop. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that the original screenwriters they they were they they gave the script and I think this might have been their first screenplay. Oh yeah, I'm not sure what their names are, but they this might have been their first screenplay. So they wrote this screenplay and they d- gave it to a studio and the studio was like, oh, we like the the bones of this story, but we don't like all the aesthetics. Mm-hmm. So you know, come here comes the studio heads, here comes John Carpenter, here comes the rewrites. They modernized the film, and what they tried to do was they tried to distance themselves from the original. Uh, screenwriters like they didn't even want to give them screen credit wow. for this movie. They wanted to give all the screen c- credit to W. D. Richter. That's cold and what yeah, like story by the other guys yeah, or something. I don't even like know that. if they were going to give them that much credit for this. Wow. But I, I think you know how the the Academy is. They're uh-huh. really strict with their rules, and so they had to say that the, the, the guys wrote the film and then W. D. Richter adapted okay. from their screenplay. I did not know that. Yeah. I do know like one of the original writers. Uh, Gary Goldman said that like their version, the tone of it was more like an Indiana Jones, like, uh, you know, big epic, uh, old period piece, Mm -hmm. a lot of horseback and adventure and all that stuff, but also with the sort of 
mysticism or supernatural elements to it. But, you know, then they sort of just took it and sort of jumbled it into something like just weird and campy. Yeah. You know? I always think it's interesting when somebody takes like a, a screenplay and completely reworked the screenplay. Yeah. I mean, how did you get from A to B in this, this like screenplay? Who's, right. Who, that's just the, the really you have to applaud the creativity of taking a Western and saying, you know what? Let's update it. Let's make it a hundred years later and uh, put it, keep it in Chinatown and all that, and like just update the stuff that we need to to modern it up. Yeah. You know. Well, in our in our when we were talking about Predator, we were discussing some movies, like uh, some top ten movies or something like that, yeah. and we were talking about how uh, Star Wars was labeled a western. Yeah, and I, I still don't see it. But that's, even, that's almost more of a reach to me than yeah. thinking of Big Trouble in Little China as a but western. I guess if you take the elements of a story, like if you mm-hmm. take the elements of The Godfather and then you put them in a black exploitation movie yeah. or whatever, like or you put them in a karate film or you put them in uh, RT, R2-D2 like as, as, the, as the Godfather. I don't know. You know whatever you do. Like I can... No, you know, Jabba loose. the Hutt is the Godfather. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, oh, that would be good. Jabba the Hutt as the Godfather? I would <laughs> I would watch that film right there. Um, yeah, so you take these elements of a of a t- particular genre, and then you just kind of like window dressing is everything else, you know? And really, I took a, in college in Georgia State University, I took a genre class on Westerns, which was just the genre that they were offering that semester. But like, so we talked about a lot of the Western themes and how modern movies like still use those themes where it's like the loner comes to town and saves the town in trouble, you know, Mm -hmm. and that sort of makes sense for Big Trouble in Little China. I wrote a turn paper or something about uh, Beverly Hills Cop as a Western because it's like the outsider rolls into town and shakes things up, you know, I can see that or whatever. Yeah, but like. Uh, Star Wars? I just don't know if I can I, see it. I don't get it either. That's I don't a, see it at that's all. A, yeah, I'll have to check it out again when I get <laughs> but home. But I've heard, I've seen several people say that. But um, but yeah, so, I mean, Jack Burton is like such a character right off the bat. He's dropping all the great one-liners. He's cruising along, you know. He pulls the Pork Chop Express, which we learned only in research. I never knew before the Pork Chop Express, the name oh, yeah. of it <laughs> is a reference to, I guess that he hauls, he takes pigs to market. He's actually hauling pigs. Yeah. And I think in the old West, I think in the Western screenplay, he also was bringing pigs like a, a cart of pigs to no the idea. town to but feed the railroad workers. That would have been like even that. more interesting because that would have been like 1880. So whatever would have been the whole, the smell of the pigs. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm all, I'm all about smell in movies. Like they need to figure out a way to portray that better. So, but it's like a dark and stormy night in Chinatown, and it's like bustling there, though. You yep, know, like yep. it's pouring rain. You see, I think at least one single shot where they take a pig off the truck. Yeah, which I yeah. never even noticed on the first dozen times, you know, that I've seen the movie. Yeah, and that didn't put the pork chop together with the pig. I've never been to, so I've never been to San Francisco, but I. As my understanding that it rains there a lot because they're right off the bay. Yeah. So I can kind of see the weather being like that. It's un- just film. unpredictable weather yeah. changes like minute by minute. Now, interesting note, uh, John Carpenter is in this scene. Oh, yeah? Yeah, John Carpenter is um, right when it turns into daytime. Okay. John Carpenter is the guy that's pushing the pushing like a tray of like produce or okay. something. He's one of the. He's that guy that's p- pushing that stuff along. I didn't even know that. It's like his Hitchcock cameo. Yeah, he's like making his cameo. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's cool, man. Um, oh, I also noticed. I love the front of the Pork Chop Express. He's got that haul and ass <laughs> grill like piece on with like the silhouette of a sexy woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like this dude 
is a character. Like we it's, can tell. Like I mean, as maybe mo- as maybe a lot of truckers are very symbolic of the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> Like the the mother trucker and all that. Oh yeah. They keep on trucking. Oh man, I loved um, over the top the Stallone arm wrestling mm-hmm, movie where they're mm-hmm. all truckers or whatever. That is a good bad movie. That's a good bad movie. I may have to check that one out. Um, so then cut to Jack is involved in some sort of gambling game with like a, a whole bunch of Chinese guys, um, and he's winning. You know. Yeah, winning big. Like, like they're playing. All their I money. guess they're playing Pi Gal. They said, which is. I don't know if that's like dominoes or some kind of a tile game. I, I feel like it's a, like pieces yeah. over and whatever, but I have no idea what that is. But um, from what I've seen, it looks like a combination of dominoes and poker. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I have no idea how to play that game. Uh, we'll have <laughs> to have someone, if you know what it is, email us. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, but Jack Burton in this scene, like, so we've seen him, he's talking the talk. Now he's here and he's like winning. He's like winning every hand. To me, it all, he almost comes off as like a James Bond, like I'm the best at everything yeah. like type of a guy at this point. I was going to say he kind of comes off like a sailor on shore leave. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like he's on shore. Like he's got his he's got his money in his hand and uh-huh. he's on shore and he's like, okay, I'm going to gamble it all the way and I'm going to drink everything. <laughs> and, if you know, they probably didn't show this, but I'm going to get a couple of prostitutes like later <laughs> on if, you know, the story didn't go that way. Right. <laughs> so... We got like some time passes and the sun's coming up. It's getting light out. And Jack's basically like cleaned everybody out. Yeah. Yeah. He's got all the money still on the hot streak. And um, last two, last two standing. He's complaining, you know, that the guys are bowing out. And he's like, well, I got it. You know, I probably would have lost my shirt in the next five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Like trying to talk him back to the table. So Jack is left with just himself and his friend Wang, Mm -hmm. who's played by Dennis Dunn. But it wasn't always supposed to be that way. Right, Mike? No, I think so. I, I just found this out. I think today that that's. That character that Dennis Dunn played, Wang, was supposed to be played by Jackie Chan. Now, I would have loved to have seen Jackie Chan play this film for several reasons, because we had discussed, and you told me that uh, Dennis Dunn wasn't really a martial artist. He was kind of more of an actor that learned martial arts. Yeah, he claimed, like, he knew how to fake it a little bit, but he wasn't, like, a trained, you know, karate guy or kung fu guy or whatever like that. So can you, like, this is such a uh, heavily influenced martial art. Uh, a kung fu movie that I, w- I would have loved to have seen Jackie Chan play that role for, for later scenes. We don't get to that till later, but knowing what we know, like I would have loved to see Jackie and oh, Jackie absolutely. Chan's also got that kind of comedic timing that is just perfect for this movie. But I, th- I think the problem was that Jackie Chan didn't have a lot of confidence in himself as far as making American films. He had, I think he had made a couple. I think he had made like Cannonball Run, which mm-hmm. wasn't a huge success. And I think he might have made a, some other stuff. But they weren't really successful. And I think he was offered the role and he turned it down because he's like, no, I really want to hold my craft back home. So he made other films back big home. Hits. Big Like huge hits over there. And then he came back and with Rumble in the Bronx, which really catapulted him to the start he is today. Yeah, but, I, I haven't really seen that many Jackie Chan movies. I've seen maybe a Rush Hour for sure. Really? Which he is like quite funny. You and should that. see, his... and I think maybe the sequel, Rush Hour Two. But I haven't seen like Rumble in the Bronx oh, or, uh, or those other the American movies that he's or, done. What Drunken Master is really good. You know, so you should the... check out the Hong Kong. You flicks? should check out some of his Hong Kong flicks because, like, the thing about Jackie Chan is he gets really involved. Like, he's like his own stunt guy. Right. So, like, if somebody's jumping off of a, tr- a train, that's really Jackie Chan. That's like his calling card. So I, there's not those kind of stunts but if Jackie Chan had been in this movie right. who wouldn't who we knows might have had some we might have had some more uh, some more outrageous stunts in this film 
I mean, honestly, like, if Jackie Chan had been in this movie, that would take it from, you know, where it is, like, cult status to probably, like, legendary status, you know, because that's just, like, like we talked about on Predator. If they had had Van Damme in the suit, like, it yeah. would have just been that much more legendary. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, I can't knock Dennis Dunn because he does really good work in this. He's hilarious. Phenomenal job. Um, Phenomenal job. I still would have liked it. It's just, like, Jackie. now <laughs> that you told me that, like, I didn't know that before we sat down to do this thing. And, like, man, now I just want to see, like, some screen tests with Jackie Chan yeah. or something, you know? Yeah, that would have um, been that would have been great. We got Wang is saying he needs a chance to win his money back. Like he desperately needs to get his money back, which is kind of yeah. Like, we're really I gonna mean, get into this scene right here because doesn't we're that make confused. him like a degenerate gambler though? That he Who gambled Wang? away the money that he yeah. needed to like <laughs> to bring his wife into the country. His, his fiance. He's like, oh yeah. By the way, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get my... that money back. I just lost the mortgage. I just lost my wife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so um, this whole scene, uh, Wang basically loses all his, and everybody else loses all their money to Jack. And so Wang is like, nothing to double. Like, I want my money back. Right. I've only ever heard double or nothing. Yeah. I don't know I don't why know he said how nothing. How that wound up like that. But yeah, he's like, I bet you everything that I lost that I can like take this meat cleaver and slice right through this beer bottle. And when he said that, I, I guess a little part of me was like, well, that doesn't sound like he can really do that. But I didn't even realize like what was happening, you know, uh -huh. so I can see where Jack didn't even realize what was like happening. What? And I mean, we later learned like Wang does have some serious sword skills, but mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know that this is a thing that's possible, right? I, like, yeah. Jack definitely thinks of it as like a, a sure thing. He's like, you know, all right, God bless you. I have no idea. Like this cannot, like I would love to see like a YouTube video out there where somebody actually does the trick that Wayne does. In I the just want to see him try and like just because the bottle just shatter. Right? I would think it would just shatter. Yeah. Yeah. At any rate, like, I mean, this makes me wonder. So anyway, he goes to slice the bottle, right? Jack switches the bottles out because he thinks maybe it's some sort of a trick bottle or something. Mm -hmm, he's like, no, mm -hmm. no, don't use that bottle. Use this bottle. And yep. He's like, okay. And then Jack's like settles in and he's ready. And Wang brings the cleaver down and the bottle like just shoots. Like he hits it in an angle and the bottle flies at Jack yep. who just snags it right out yep. of the air. Looks like he's going to hit Jack in the nose or something like yeah. that. Or definitely hit him in the face and yeah. maybe even knock him out. So we had talked about this before. Are Jack and Wang friends? Well, that's... See, that's where my first question, before we can even talk about that, is what was Wang's plan? Like, okay. did he, like, Wang is a sword master. Maybe he's got some skills we don't know about, mm -hmm. but it seems, I think we both felt like the plan was that the bottle was going to hit him in the face and he'd maybe grab a handful of money and run. I totally, I think that <laughs> Wang's plan was I'm going to hit this bottle in his, in Jack's face and I'm going to not only get my money back, but I'm going to take his money too. <laughs> that was his entire plan. Uh -huh. And I'm, and I feel like he's done this before. All right. Like so, this is not his first time doing that. <laughs> so we we're in agreement on that. And now that begs the question you were just asking, like how close of friends are these two? They, I, they can't like, again, this, the trouble of kind of doing this is we already know the entire story of the movie, but how close of friends could they possibly be <laughs> if he's trying to knock him out with a bottle and a bottle, not like, Right, chloroform or spiking his drink or something like that. He's like, I'm gonna smash a bottle in your face. Right, you would have think he could put some sort of chokehold on him, you know, or choke anything, him out, like put him to sleep or whatever. But yeah, he's like, yeah, he's gonna break his face. <laughs> or hey, look over there, and then he grabs the money and runs. Nothing. He's like, so physical violence that, against his best friend. So I'm wondering, like, are they like 
ride or die homies or is this like a casual acquaintance and and jack's got a friend like wang in every town i think that san francisco chinatown is jack's regular route from wherever he originates and i think he's probably been there several several times because i know he knows wang he knows that wang owns a restaurant yeah true they they have that kind of rapport that goes like way back like they didn't just meet recently oh yeah definitely they go way back i'm just wondering like they they can't be that close of friends if rather than explaining why he needs the money that he's just going to try to like smash a bottle. It's one of those. It's so I feel like it's one of those scenes that sounds cool. Like it like, oh, this is this will be a really cool scene to film, but it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense in the grand scheme of things. So it doesn't explain their friendship. But I guess you just have to kind of bypass that. And yeah, and truly, it's a great moment for Jack. Because it's an, another moment that you're like, oh, this guy, Jack, he can back it up. Like, he's yeah. talking the talk and he can walk the walk. You know, he's all in the reflexes yeah. or whatever. It's, it's like our, I guess it's our first glimpse at Jack being, like, more than just a yeah. regular guy. He sort of seems like, okay, I maybe he is an action star. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, he's sort of got the moves. Um, so then Wang tells him, all right, well, now, now Wang owes him double what he'd already lost to him. Which so, was one thousand and forty eight dollars, if I'm not was mistaken. It? Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you wrote it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Wang says, "Oh, I don't have the money on me. Let's, you know, I, I can get it from my restaurant, but first I've got to go to the airport. See, I'm just a poor Chinese boy. <laughs> I know. That's what I was wondering about that delivery. Like, yeah. I get that he's trying to do a bit, but it was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know, like kind of southern drawl. Yeah, so, yeah. but Jack is not." He's like, yeah, I'm going to let you go to the airport. Yeah. Like, he thinks he's going to hop on the first flight to Shanghai or something. Yeah, yeah. Be gone. But um, he's like, well, I'll drive you to the airport because mm-hmm. I'm not letting you out of my sight, basically, until I get my money. Yep. Um, which, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, $1,000 is a lot of money. I would I would drive you to the airport also <laughs> just to make sure <laughs> I got my money. Now, but- I, I think once Kurt Russell and Dennis Dunn get in the truck, like once we're seeing Jack Burton and, uh, and Wang, is Wang Chi? Wang Chi, yeah. Like once we we're going to see them sort of interact, just the two of them a little more. Like there is a lot of chemistry between the two actors. Yeah, like they have a real good rapport. They're they're working well off each other. I feel like that was probably an, an easy scene to scene to film because yeah. they're just they their flow is really good. Like I do wonder. So I haven't seen enough Jackie Chan to see the type of actor he is. Do you think he could pull off a, just a straight dialogue humor scene no, like this? I, you know, did he have a heavy accent? He had a, not only did he have a heavy accent, but his English is really bad. Okay. His English is really, really bad. So there would have been a lot of stopping and starting and, and that might've broken yeah. up the whole flow of the Man, film. Can you imagine they probably would have had to do that much. Jack would have had to do that much more talking. Yeah. You know, like they would have had to give all the exposition and stuff to him. Yeah. To and deliver it, maybe. Like if you look at the uh, outtakes of Rush Hour, for instance, like you can see where Jackie Chan, even at that point, is still really struggling with his English. Okay. So yeah, Dennis Dunn definitely, I think Dennis Dunn was probably born in California. So he was. He seems he, American. Yeah, he's an, he's, a, he's an American. I guess the fact that, uh, that uh, Wang and Jack have that kind of rapport with each other really sells the friendship. And it, and it makes sense because it, it um, adds to what they have to do later on. It, 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 it explains what they have to do later on. Yeah, and I mean, from that scene, I'm sort of getting that Wang and Jack are like best of friends, you know? Yeah. Like, it seems like they're a lot more personal I than do. they were in the alley. I Yeah, I, I feel you on that. Like so, Wang's telling him about, I mean, he's telling him everything. Like, he's telling him, I got to go pick up my girlfriend, Miao Yin, from the airport. She's flying in from China. We're going to get married. 
He's like telling him all about how much in love he is Mm -hmm. with Meow. And Jack sort of calls him out. He's like, I don't know. You sound nervous. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's more about the importance of the moment that uh, Wang is willing to spend that moment with Jack. You know, like that's Uh a really... like Like the way he tries to explain it is he's been, you know busting his ass like slept on the floor saving every nickel Mm -hmm. to just to get to be able to afford to bring her over here and so this is the moment this is the day yeah and so what's he doing the night before he's 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 out out playing poker and drinking losing the mortgage yeah (laughs) playing poker with uh jack so hammered like i don't like if that had just been like a regular old friend i I doubt that he would have like if he had just a regular friend and just rolled into town like that, I doubt that he'd be out there like that. But so it was Jack in town, and now he's like, "Well, you know, I got to hang out with my boy, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna lose all my money." But a thousand dollars is a lot of money, oh, even no now. Like I wouldn't want to lose a thousand dollars right like, now. Yeah, that's a good chunk of yeah. And they were just basically having a lot of fun, and to a friend too. Like <laughs> yeah. So at this point, like we haven't all we've seen from Jack is. It seems like he's that sort of swaggering, loud-mouthed, smart-ass hero, you know, but maybe he's able to back it up. Um, I mean, we haven't seen anything to the contrary yet. So it's a good, like, it's a good open. They establish all of our characters. But all right, I guess that's it for this uh, first episode of our Big Trouble in Little China. But check us out next time. We're going to be back. we got a lot more action for you. Things are about to get really crazy. Yeah, this is where it starts to get interesting. All right, talk to you later.